Coming up, why high performers never use time as an excuse. And then the big boys, Meta, Google, they've had some sketchy hires and it's now being exposed. I'll break it down next. Let's go. I don't have enough time. I'm so busy. So let me get this straight. You're so busy that the mediocre life is the one for you? Oh, boy. Now, when I say it that way, we go, oh, well, slow down, Ken. Slow your roll. Oh, no, no, wait a second. I don't have enough time as an excuse. It's basically saying I'm so busy being mediocre that I can't have a better life. Oh, wow. You're busy being mediocre? Yeah, you are. By the way, for those of you that are leading a medium, mediocre, average or below average life, can I just say something? You are too busy doing stuff that is allowing you to stay stuck in mediocrity. So we're going to break this down today. High performers, men and women that win in life, never use time as an excuse. Never one time have I heard a high-performing person tell me that they didn't have enough time to do what is necessary to win. In fact, the opposite is true. Here's what I know about winners, because I've interviewed over a 1,000 of the biggest names in business, sports, politics. I'm not going to drop any names. Just go do your homework on me if you're brand new to the show. But I've sat with the best and brightest men and women in the world. And let me tell you what I know about them and time. They make time. They make the most of their time. Let me say that again because I could stop the show right now. Now, Alex, the producer, would not be happy. But what I have just said is enough to shut the show down. Winners make time. And winners make the most of their time. You don't hear winners going, I'm just too busy, Ken. I, it's just not a good time for me in my life right now, man. I just, it's not a good time. I'm going to let that sit for a second because I think there's some people that need to soak on that. I think you're thinking that. You've said that to somebody and you've justified it. Now, I am not trying to make you mad today, but I am trying to make you uncomfortable. And if you get a little pissy at me, I can handle it because I want what's best for you. And if you're saying things like, I don't have enough time, it's not a good time for me, the ship has sailed. Those are excuses that are justifying settling, complacency, mediocrity. So I'm too busy. It's too late. I missed the boat. I don't have enough time. This is all coming from one source, and that's doubt. I just don't believe. So what happens is, is we take those realities that were initially just doubts. Well, I don't know if I got enough time. or uh, These are just thoughts, but they're doubts. And then what happens is, is we focus on them and they stay in our head long enough to where they become the excuse for us to not act. And so we turn them into realities. And this is the, the insidious part of excuses. 
Excuses become a justification for inaction. So why is time such a common doubt? I'm going to tell you why. People don't know how to prioritize or control their schedules. Uh, here, they don't know how to say no. You're a people pleaser. That means you're saying yes to everybody. Boom. Could be the number one reason why you don't have enough time is because you don't know how to say no. You've just never learned the discipline of prioritization and being intentional with your time is another reason. And again, that people-pleasing allows everyone else to dictate your schedule. You're like one of those tumbleweeds that blew through the streets of those Western movies. And there comes the tumbleweed just blowing around. And that's you because you're not intentional with your time. So when you hear yourself say these these time excuses, you hear yourself think them and then you catch yourself saying them to other people, what you really mean is, I'll never have enough time. Ooh. That's final. Because when we keep saying these things over and over and over and over again, what we're really saying is, I'll never have enough time, so I've let that ship sail. I've accepted complacency, I've accepted mediocrity. I've accepted my current reality. There is no better future because I've just said there'll never be enough time. So I quit. What is true in the midst of all those excuses, listen to me. What's true is there's not time based on how you use time right now. So what needs to change is the way you use time. So what you should be saying is not, there will never be enough time. What you need to be saying is, based on the way I'm living my life right now, there's not enough time and I need to make some changes. In other words, I need to make time and I need to make the best use of that time. That's what I told you that winners say. I got to go make time and I got to make the most of the time that I make. So what does enough time look like? Many times we get overwhelmed and intimidated by a poorly defined timeline. So let me give an example from my life. I'm 32, 33 years of age at the time. I realize now that a political path was not the path for me, and I began to do the work. And at this point, as I bring you into my personal story, I realize that it's broadcasting, that I want to pursue broadcasting. But I've got a couple realities. Number one, I don't have a broadcasting degree. And I don't have any broadcasting connections, or at least at that point, I did not realize them. And so I realized I got to start from scratch. But I was committed. But I remember one day telling my wife after an afternoon of reflection and really looking at what it was going to take to the best of my knowledge to get where I sit today. And I remember telling my wife like it was yesterday. I said, babe, I think it's going to take five to seven years to catch a really big break. I'm going to have to do a lot of this on the side. I'm going to have to do small stuff. I'm going to have to stick with it. And it might take as long as five to seven years to really get in full time. To her credit, she said, okay, babe, I'm in. But that was important for me to set a realistic timeline. And would you believe that at about six and a half years, I get a phone call from Dave Ramsey saying, will you come join me? And I got a seat on a rocket ship. Now, I did not know that it was going to fall between five to seven years, but I had a realistic timeline. I had a plan. And I began to use 
an old principle called the Pareto principle, which says you spend 80% of your time on the top 20% of your priorities. So the way I ran my business, the way I did work, the way I connected, the way I looked for broadcasting opportunities, I was using that rough formula. And I was prioritizing my time. I was diligent with my time. I was disciplined with my time. And therefore, I was able to stay with it. How do you stay on a path that's five to seven years long? I'll tell you how. Have a real understanding of time and prioritization of time. And now I'm going to be patient to stick with it. So that's how you overcome the doubts that you don't have enough time. You got to change it. Coming up next, Google and others hired fake workers? Helping you do hard things so you can do great things. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, if you like uh, the show, you've been listening and watching, would you uh, subscribe on YouTube? Uh, We would appreciate that. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, uh, give us a follow and a five-star review. Also, reminder, if you want to get coached up, it's a free phone call, 844-747-2577, or email the show, ask at kencoleman.com. Also, heads up, Kansas City, Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, I'm coming on the road, baby. It's a solo concert. There will be no singing, so don't be alarmed. Uh, But we are going to come out on the road for an event called Breakthrough. This is a dream that I've had for some time, and I want to help you get unstuck. So I don't know if it's fear, doubt, pride, a toxic environment, family, money holding you back from doing that thing that you want to do, whether that's a side hustle or a different move in your career to where you're making more money and experiencing more meaning, whatever it is, I'm going to give you the formula. I'm going to teach on the formula that will give you a breakthrough every time. And then I'm going to take your questions live from the crowd. It's going to be like a live show. It's going to be really fun. Great theaters. Kansas City, April 20th. Chicago, May 16th. Atlanta, May 18th. Dallas, May 23rd. Get your tickets now at KenColeman.com slash events. KenColeman.com slash events. We haven't done a giveaway yet, Alex, and we need to do that at some point. Uh, but what is going on with these big time companies? What's behind these big layoffs? Well, I am a man of the people, by the people, for the people. That's why you come to this show. You want to know what I think about the big layoffs? Well, this is very interesting. As my teenagers would say, it's sketch. Maybe they don't even say that anymore. That was probably two years old. The teenagers say sketch anymore. There's a teenager in the lobby going, no. So, see, I'm already out of date. Uh, But they used to say it was sketch. Uh, In other words, sketchy. And we'll stick with that for now. So, big-time companies like Google, the reason they're doing these big layoffs is because they overhired, but they did it for a sketchy reason. Speaking remotely at an event hosted by banking firm Evercore, Silicon Valley venture capitalist Keith Raboy said that Facebook and Google had hired thousands of people to do fake work to hit hiring metrics out of vanity. That's a fancy sentence. Let me tell you what it means. They basically hired because it made them feel good about themselves. They didn't need the workers. 
didn't have the work. So what was really going on here? According to this guy, uh, he was an executive PayPal in the early 2000s alongside Tesla CEO Elon Musk, who's a friend of his, and he said the axing of these jobs is overdue. He said there's nothing for these people to do. It's all fake work. Now that's being exposed. All they do is go to meetings. The DoorDash investor went on to say that Google had intentionally hired engineers and tech talent to stop them from being snapped up by competitors. Huh? That's pretty sketchy. It's not a bad strategy. I'm kind of torn. Now, it's not good business. But basically, he's saying these companies hired engineers and tech talent to keep them from being hired by their competitors. So it's like, I'm going to snap you up, but I'm going to stick you on the shelf. Now, that's not good leadership. That's how you kill people's souls, literally, is them doing meaningless work. This was a torture strategy by Hitler. That's what concentration camps were. Meaningless work. Victor Frankl wrote an entire book, Man's Search for Meaning. Go read it. Now, again, the strategy, I get it on paper. I'm going to take talent off the table so my competitors don't get them. But it doesn't work. And now they're laying all these people off. Uh, Raboy went on to praise his old friend Elon Musk, saying people are watching Elon at Twitter, and he's clearly setting an example. Maybe it's an extreme example. But the example that Elon Musk said, hey, look, we're, we're, we're going to cut jobs. We're going to cut, 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 cut. You, you have got to have a clearly defined role and clearly defined outcomes, or else we're not gonna we're not gonna hire, we're not gonna keep you. We're gonna let you go. Um, companies like Meta and Facebook are doing the same thing. What are they doing? They're over hiring because they said, "Well, we want to look to our stock." Uh, to our investors, we want to look to the, the media. We want them all to see us hiring, hiring, hiring. Because if you have one software company hiring and you're not hiring, then it's like a war of public image. So they kept doing it. Uh, Thomas Siebel, who is a billionaire tech CEO, said the craziness has finally gone out of the market when it comes to overhiring at companies. He went on to say this whole thing had to clear itself out. He said, it's weird that Google and Meta hired employees when they didn't have jobs for these people. He goes, they were really doing nothing working from home. Now, some of you remote worker advocates who like to take shots at me, which, by the way, I never read the comments, so I really don't care what you say, all right? Because I'm not attacking remote work, but we're, we're getting real, real reports here from people who are in the know saying they hired these remote workers just to say that they had the workers and they had nothing to do. Uh, Siebel went on to say that his software company, which has about 1,000 employees, takes a more cautious approach when it comes to bringing in new workers. He said they subject their candidates to highly competitive interview process, filtering potential hires by whether they fit the company's hard-driving culture. And out of some 4,000 candidates over the last year, they only hired 300 employees. Now, that 
That's good leadership. Now, in case you're wondering if this is just a couple of billionaires' opinions, I got a clip for you from a worker. Watch this. So there's this article in Business Insider that came out that says Google and Meta overhired thousands of employees who do fake work. This is a super hot take, but I 100% agree and can confirm this is the case. The article goes on to say that the main function of many of these jobs were to show up to meetings. And that's part of the reason why Meta is now going through their second round of layoffs in the last six months. A lot of these layoffs are a direct result of empire building internally, directors that come in and they're just focused on building out the biggest team possible and get the most recognition without really looking at the business needs. When I was at Facebook, the last year or so just felt like an internal fight over work. It often felt like debate club. Who is the most worthy to take this work on? Folks, this is sketchy. Now, let's just look at the real world results of this video. So first of all, this is a real worker at Facebook. Meta is the uh, parent company. She's going, this this report, it's right. People were hired just to simply show up and have meetings. It was like a focus group. Why? Because directors, leaders, wanted to say they had a big team. Now, this is, I could unpack this for days. I won't. Number one, that's stealing. That means these leaders falsely, created a need for a worker and hired the worker all for glamour status all right so that's within the company and then we have testimony that you got to believe is true based on the confirmation of this TikTok video that the CEO and, and and executive leaders across the top were hiring to simply keep talent out of the marketplace but what happens is you kill one of the primary reasons for living, and that is to contribute through work. Work is good. The results of good work is good. The science backs me up. It's better for us physically, mentally, emotionally. Work is good. Doing it this way is bad. Ah, yes. Helping you escape a life of complacency and mediocrity to be uniquely who you were created to be. This is the Ken Coleman Show. I said this in a meeting today. We were doing something, and I'm just going to drop this out there because I, I we got a great live studio audience, which, by the way, I never mentioned. If you want to come to Nashville area, or if you're in the area, you want to watch the show, um, we're, we're, we, we do the show in the studio here at the lobby at uh, noon central time, 1 Eastern. And I love seeing people watch the show. Uh, it was a great studio audience today, so I want to drop this for them. I want to drop this for people listening, watching. Because some of you need to be reminded of this. The greatest form 
of creativity in the entire universe is individuality. And I'm on a quest to make sure as many people as possible hear that sentence. What that means is you were created to fill a unique role. You were needed. You must do it. And the greatest form of creativity is a human being simply being uniquely them. That's individuality. Don't try to be like somebody else. That's a knockoff version. There's only one of you. Can we just embrace that? Weaknesses, strengths, personality traits, hurts, victories, all of it combined make you, you. So, I don't know who needed that, but there you go. Uh, Let's go to Ron now. Oh, wait a second. I want to mention, speaking of uniqueness, we have a deal right now going on my assessment called the Get Clear Career Assessment. There's no assessment like it in the world. In 20 minutes or less, you're going to get a detailed report on what you are really good at doing, what you really enjoy doing, and what motivates you. Those three things together, it's a self-awareness bonanza, and right now they got a $10 off deal on it. It's only 20 bucks. It's normally 30 You can get it for 20 bucks at RamseySolutions.com in the store or KenColeman.com store. All goes the same place. Might be a great gift for somebody who's really struggling. Self-awareness is the secret sauce to becoming and being who you are uniquely designed to be. All right, let's go to Ron in Floral City, Florida. Sounds like a lovely place to be from. Ron, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Thanks, Ken. Hey, Ron. Uh, great to talk to you. I've, I've listened to you for a long time. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. So, thanks. Anyway, so um, here's my situation. I'm in a career field that I've uh, that I really love. I've been in this uh, career um, uh, my whole career, uh, 41 plus years. Wow. What is and that? What's I, that? What's that career? Well, I'm, uh, I, uh, well, right now I'm a, a testing and commissioning specialist, but I've been in work doing uh, work with electrical, uh, my whole career. Okay. Gotcha. In the Navy. Okay, great. And you work my way through anyway, but, um, but right now I'm in a situation, job situation that I don't like, okay. you know, I travel about 90% of the time and, um, I'm about a year or two away from retirement. Mm. Um, and um, I'm looking, I've often heard that, heard you and Dave talk about um, Encore Careers. And so I'm looking at, you know, how do I start looking at uh, putting together an Encore Career? I've got some time to, to pursue that, and yeah. I don't really know how to do that or what I would be good at doing. Great. Well, I'll tell you one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the assessment that I just talked about before I picked you up. I'm going to give you as my gift my Get Clear Career Assessment, Okay. Here's what it's going to do. It's going to give you real clarity on what you do best. We'll talk about talents and strengths here. It's going to help you identify the type of work that lights your heart up. And then it's going to show you what results motivate you. So you get three distinct elements of yourself right in front of your face, maybe for the first time in your life. This is what I'm good at. This is what I enjoy doing. And this is what motivates me. That's a game changer. So I'm going to give you the tool. I'm also going to give you my book, From Paycheck to Purpose, which is the companion to that is going to really tell you how to use it and where to go, all right? But I'm going to try to help you ideate really quickly on the phone. What I want you to tell me is, if you look over your career, what are your greatest skills? Something that you would be comfortable being pretty proud about, uh, borderline bragging. I'm really good at this. I've developed these skills. What are those top two or three skills? 
Um, I would say that uh, planning and organizing. Good. Um, okay. And um, also being able to uh, uh, to break a, uh, a project down in what I would call a but-first plan. You know, I have to accomplish this goal, but first I have to do this, and but first I have to do that. Yeah, I like that. That's very strategic. Uh, there's some analysis there, and we're figuring out. I love that. Okay, so I want you to think back over your career. Have there been times in your career where there's been types of work or roles that you filled where you go, man, I, I got excited about that. I enjoyed it. Time stood still. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tell me, what were you uh, doing? I, Describe the work. I don't care about the title. What was the work? Um, just doing projects, being the lead on a project and uh, bringing all of the pieces together right. to accomplish right. the goal. Why do you think, what's the result of that kind of work that you've done a really good job of describing? What's the results that fire you up about that work? When you do that, what's on the back end of that work? The work is done, it's done well. What does it produce that you love? How would you describe that? Uh, it, it's just a finished product that I can be proud of. You know, I can, uh, there, there's several jobs that I've completed. Like for my last uh, project, when I was in the Navy, I commissioned, uh, I was on a commissioning crew of, of a new submarine. And so, I mean, I, and I know that that boat is still in service yeah. today. And, and I can say, I helped do that. Can I tell you that I think what really motivates you in that type of organizational project management type work is you value efficiency and excellence. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I don't care how you say it, but I'm trying to get your head in a place where you go, okay, I love organizational work, planning work. Uh, a little bit of analysis, right? That, but I love, by, by the way, I love that. I'm going to steal that from you, Ron, with your permission, the, butt work, right? I know I got to do, but what do I have to do first? I love that. That's really, really good. Um, and so I think for you, you're a guy who cares about excellence and efficiency. Cause you look at it and you go, if I do a good job of managing a project, we have delivered excellent work in an efficient way. Do you see, you see where I'm going with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about me. Oh, good. So, Ron, I'm still going to give you the assessment in my book, but we've just nailed this. We just walked through my version of the assessment live, but I can't do that with everybody, so I give them the assessment tool. But So here's mm-hmm. the deal. The encore work is that, where you're spending the majority of your day using those top skills. Think of them as power tools. Right? And and, mm-hmm. and and then the work that you really enjoy, and then you're producing those results. So that's the encore. You're just going to do it in a much more, much healthier environment. Uh, and what I mean by healthy is right now at this point in your life, all that travel sucks. Sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, uh, you look, dude, you're 62. Call your shot, man. You got some value. We are in an economy right now, Ron. And I know that Florida's job economy is healthy. But, Ron, we're sitting in a job economy right now where there are people that are dying. The trades are dying for skilled workers. You show me a 62-year-old guy who was in the Navy and helped build nuclear subs, who loves project management, planning, organizing, pulling the team together. So we're driving excellence 
in an efficient manner? Are you kidding me? I think trades will be trip trade uh, small business owners will be tripping all over themselves to hire somebody like you, who can essentially run the day to day and take a lot off their plate. Am I am I making any sense? Tell me, Ron. I don't mind if I'm wrong. No, it, that makes a lot of sense. I just you know you just <laughs> what you don't know anybody. Right. No, that's I, a I bunch of crap. Oh, come well, on, Ron. All right, Ron, I'm going to tell you okay. where to start. You start looking in the good old-fashioned phone book. Now, all the young people listening and watching me right now don't even know what a phone book is, but you know what I mean <laughs> when I say phone book. It's called getting yes. online, you and your area, draw a 30-mile radius. What's the longest you're willing to drive to work? Draw a circle on a good old-fashioned atlas, Ron, and see who's got electrical companies or trade companies where you've got the skill and you start making connections. You got this, Ron. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.